Hey, coming up on today's show, we got a, quite a few uh, exciting things to talk about. Um, got a little uh, little s- Jeep in space. Jeep's in space. Not, I'm not kidding. It's a space odyssey. It's an. It's, Is that yeah. what? I don't know. What? You'll have to stay tuned to figure that one out. Porsche, <laughs> or Porsche, if you live here in if America. You better know that is, it's Porsche. Is working on uh, some synthetic fuel that they are pretty proud of. Uh, says it's going to make internal combustion engines as, as friendly to the environment yeah. as EVs. I, yeah. See what I did Fine. there? I, I translated I, that to like I did, man. Layman's it terms. makes complete sense. I, I was impressed with that. I'm looking forward to talking about that. We're also going to talk about Nissan. Um says that they have developed a, uh, a, a 50% thermal efficient engine. Um, we're going to get into to how they intend to use that and, and why, that, um, why that's important. And also that um, we'll put it into context uh, a little bit for you because, you know, Toyota is already using an engine that's about 40% efficient, um, but it's used in a different manner. So we'll We'll kind of we'll get into that a little bit. What else we got, Keith? We got recalls from Ford on the new Bronco Sport. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, again? Yeah. What the heck, man? Yeah. Oh. Again. Oh, 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 oh. And? Mm. And semiconductors. Translation, your car, computer chips, the pandemic, and you. And how this all fits together. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Coming up right after this. into the podcast i am jay one of the hosts of this podcast the counter show with my good friend and co-host keith over there how you doing my friend what are you looking at butthead uh, <laughs> what a hey man hey everybody uh welcome in thanks again to ray salon for that music that you just heard uh if you are curious about hearing more like that check them out uh raceon.com r h a s a l o n is that right R- did i just give out a bogus website r h a s a l o n no you are correct you got it right man and um just to kind of give you guys a little update on that they're working on some new material and we're going to try to get these guys on they're working on something specifically for us and we're going to try to get them on and do a live um, on air first first reaction of of the tunage. We're going to have those guys back on our show, so we're looking forward to that just to catch up with them and see how they're doing since the last release of their latest record. Which so has... it looks like actually I gave out a bogus email ad- or website address, Jay. Just oh, go to part, partscounterguru.com forward slash race salon and you can find out more. It's all there. 
Oh, and again, okay. Ray Salon is R H A S A L O N. They be on YouTube and social media, man. You guys go ahead and uh, to your heart's content to go start looking and chatting with those guys. They're very active on social media and they do respond very quickly. They enjoy it. They love good rock and roll. Anyway, so hey, man, I tell you, um, I don't know where to begin. It's just this 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 industry that we're in is just is there is no shortage zero shortage of things to talk about um you know watching things sort of derail a little bit um then watching the unexpected all of a sudden you know you got to walk off you know uh, you know home run hit with 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 one of these guys like nissan all of a sudden is coming back and 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 um, starting to become a bigger part of the conversation as of late it's been a real odyssey. It has been a real odyssey. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let's let's <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about this Jeep Odyssey, shall we? Let's talk about it. All right. So for those of you that have not seen this, go to our website partscounterguru.com. There is a link. It's called mentioned on the podcast. It's a tab along the top. And we will put this in, uh, we'll put a link to this video that we're talking about here uh, in that, in the mentioned on the podcast page. But Jeep just released a, a, a very, I'm going to just, okay, so here we are talking about Stellantis again. And right. I don't remember exactly what I said when we, you and I discussed this the other day, but it was something like, these guys are paying attention and they get it and they're... Uh, you know, coming fresh off the heels of a Springsteen controversy, but they are continuing to stay relevant. It's almost like they've taken Ford's place in the uh, in the uh, mar- social media and marketing uh, star star spotlight. I think so. And Ford is, if you know, if you look at the activity around Ford, they've kind of they're they're going in a, a in a different pace, going at a different pace right now, other than what they had been. So this is quite interesting to see the. Yeah. You know, the yeah. changing of the guard, if you will. So, so <clears throat> they released a commercial, you, and you can find it, like like I said, on our website. We'll put a, It's on YouTube. And it's uh, it's playing, uh, it's from 2001, A Space Odyssey. What what uh, What is the, let's see, theme? It's playing the theme song. Yeah, from the Space Odyssey. Uh, yeah. And, and you all know it. Uh, and and, and it, it's basically all the animals that you would see on um like an african safari right jay right yes absolutely that's what it is and you know what it kind of reminded me of a little bit the commercial it with with how the animals are reacting in the commercial is uh the budweiser bud wise yeah kind of a you know or the what's up? You know that. Remember yeah. that campaign? It 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 yes. It it fits it fits that sort of vibe. Um, but that you know they're throwing in little pop culture references like, you know, I saw at did you see the black monolith at the end? <laughs> yeah, I did, man. Right, and you know, thought we, it was great. It, we've talked about that on this show. If if you just crawled out from under a rock or this is your first time listening, <laughs> welcome to the program. Uh, right. We covered the whole monolith scenario in 
fairly in depth watch- with yeah. yeah yeah i'm monitoring it right now I'm, I'm i'm looking at the video and and it's it's great that they've <laughs> so if you haven't you have to watch it will we I mean, uh, you got buffalo in this thing, man. I mean, they're all you got. You got orangutans. You got, uh, I mean, you got wolves, uh, llamas, hippos, gators, crocodiles, turtles, peacocks, owls. You name it, man. They're it's it. They ran the gamut with all this, and so they're appealing to the outdoor crowd the overland crowd in that way hey you want to go out and explore and see nature get a jeep right and and we've been saying all along like while everybody else is sort of uh you know toyota's putting supras at sema uh here's here's jeep catering to the overland crowd right and so but there was a real reveal at the end of this now now you have mentioned this before jay but i i don't know really how publicized it's been which is at the very end you see the jeep plugged in yeah the hybrid the 4 by e technology that jeep announced uh late last year so supposedly the 2021 wrangler the one that they are running in the commercial uh 4 by e is set to reach the dealers by this first quarter so expect them to come out at, at any time um the pricing on those things i did a little research on it um the four by e launch edition uh will start at around right at fifty thousand. it's 49 i think and then um the rubicon trim on that is going to be i think around 53 54 000. um and those will be the only two trim levels available in this now we you heard us talk about the four by e before because we did the cherokee l reveal we discussed that and they mentioned potentially that uh technology being used in in a cherokee l down down the road the 4xe technology so it's a plug-in hybrid um it's interesting they only come in a it's a the powertrain on it has uh just one engine it's a two liter um four-cylinder engine paired with a 17 kilowatt um per hour battery uh, the two they say can put out about 375 horsepower and 470 pound feet of torque, uh, routed through an HB transmission. Which, by the way, we're going to be talking about transmissions uh, that are affected by something, you know, later on in this podcast that we're going to get into, along with other electronics out there. So here's my question: Would you buy an EV uh, or or a plug-in hybrid of a well, Jeep, Keith? I feel like. For me, if I was going to buy anything electric, um, it would have to take the place of something I already have, mm-hmm. and that would be a good con- candidate. It would be a good contender. Now, specs, which they have not revealed yet, are going to make or break this thing. If the range on this... So, it's a hybrid, so I'm not really sure how that whole plug-in scenario works, right? Because they mm. show you in the video plugging this thing in. Now... We typically think when we, we we think of plug-in cars, those are all electric. Mm-hmm. So what I I I'm using the term range because you know I see a plug going into a car to charge it, right? I, presumably. Uh, yeah. So what's the electric range on this? That's going to be a huge. You know, if it's if it's forty or fifty miles, like the first generation kind of Chevy stuff, I don't think it's going to matter. But it, it won't draw attention, but if it's, it says 
as you're discussing, um, the battery pack and the 4xe is good for up to 25 miles of electric only range. That's not a lot. Yeah, so why plug it in then? That doesn't make right. any sense to me. Yeah. Um, it says it comes uh, ready to go off-road with a two-speed transfer case that enables full-time four-wheel drive, uh, solid Dana 44 axles, 10.8-inch of clearance, and the ability to uh, forward up to about 30 inches of water. Uh, it is estimated to return 50 miles per gallon and hit 60 miles per hour in around six seconds, according to G. So that's but, a hybrid, you know, right? It is, But if yeah. it's electric only, that's why combined. do you need to plug it in? Yeah, but it's not. You know, I mean, if it's not electric only, sorry, I misspoke there. You see my right. point, right? I mean, I what's do. the purpose? Or maybe that was just sort of marketing on the commercial. I don't know. You know um, I mean? It could be, but, you know, my um, yeah, the Chevy Volt. Um, yeah. Isn't that a, that's a plug-in hybrid, isn't yeah. it? Or, yeah. It's a, so, that's a good question. You bring a good question there. You either want to go EV or you don't, you know? Well, because it's going to add, you know, some cost to the vehicle. Right. So, which is it? I mean, that's a trip to the grocery store. For some people, it may not even be a trip to the office, you know, to work. Right. Right. And home. A round trip, I should say. So. Yeah. Mm, you know, you gotta you gotta do better than twenty five miles, or or just don't bother yeah. with the extra weight. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I don't know what. Maybe it's again, it's their way to test a platform. Well, but, okay, you know. so it's it's basically. You, I think we need to start thinking about it as a hybrid Jeep. That's what it is. Yeah, you know, and then and yeah. but yeah, but forget about that whole plug in thing that I'm so distracted by. Maybe that's oh, the, you, you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to kind of give you more perspective on it, man, the Volt itself is its its range is 53 miles mm-hmm. on pure electric. Um, so it's double. But you know, maybe I mean, here's what I could see from an environmental standpoint. I mean, I think the biggest impact you would have, let's say, you're out in a national park somewhere um, where it's typically pretty quiet. You know, maybe and and, and you know, uh, may, maybe running running that on all electric as you're running around the the RV park. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like a like in a like a golf cart or something. Yeah. I don't know. Trip to the grocery you store. Know, yeah. Trip to the grocery store just to save a little bit of gas or something. It you know, it could come in handy. Let's say you poke a hole in your gas tank from four wheeling. Yeah. I you know, I don't know. Yeah. That's, I don't know. I mean, does that? You yeah. Know, then you got you got twenty five miles to get out of there and well, go find a band band aid. We've heard Chuck talk about you know uh, multiple fuel sources for some of these vehicles that are in difficult terrain. Right. That that makes mm-hmm. sense. That's a good. That's a good. You know, that's a good angle for uh, the Overland crowd. So we'll see. You know, one thing is for sure. We are not done with this whole fuel source uh we're in a state of flux sort of right now with no one has settled on a fuel source for the next generation right i mean we've got electric we've got lithium power we've got potential solid state coming up we've got you know traditional gasoline diesel right and then we've got people talking about hydrogen and now i We've got Porsche coming out yesterday saying, sorry, sorry, Porsche (laughs) coming out yesterday (laughs) saying, um, 
they're working on a synthetic fuel source. Um, do they call it e-fuel? Is that right, Jay? I think they do, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it now. It's, um, yeah, and now it's, here's the deal. The synthetic fuels are very important, and, and they are. Um, I think, and before we get into some of these details, um, there's, they basically say there's no byproduct, and uh, it's much cleaner. Um, full production will be starting, and they expect a CO2 reduction of around 85%. That right there. Okay. So, and, so, and that's a big deal. So remember, okay, a, a carbon reduction of 85%. Mm-hmm. As compared to, I'm, I'm guessing, regular gasoline, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know that for sure. It's kind of an assumption I'm making, but okay. No, Let's... It, it is. Um, and of course, what they wanted, they, what they want people to understand is that, and we've talked about this in prior podcasts. And you know, the, the Toyota CEO and other automotive CEOs have come right out and said, "Hey," or Bosch's CEO comes right out and says that we're not backing this. This saying that electric vehicles are completely carbon neutral right and i think what porsche's approach is is to giving you more a more of a realistic approach to becoming carbon neutral by a specific date and so having all these options out there with alternative fuels i think is extremely smart and and honestly i feel that the synthetic fuel is more achievable than being all electric from an infrastructure standpoint and just supposedly this stuff will run in every car well out there that that's a yeah, yeah that and that's another they're going to start testing in 2022 so that's you know right around the corner now for those of you let's go back to this 85 percent reduction in carbon emissions again okay so for those mm-hmm. of you that go right now like i you know let's say you drive a tesla or whatever and you're going well yeah but it's all electric and i have no carbon emissions we have many times on this program and it's not just our opinion. We have cited, like Jay just said, you know, the head at Bosch, the head at Toyota. All these people are coming out and going, you know, not so fast. Like that power comes from somewhere. We yes. have podcasted on that. We did an episode on where your electricity comes from. If you've been living under a rock and you haven't heard about what happened to Texas during the recent winter storms, you know, they have power. It's not just, you know, it, it's usually a a mix right so some of it in texas a lot of it comes from burning natural gas there can be solar power there can be wind power there can be hydroelectric power there can be coal it could be burning of coal it could be a lot of things okay but there is there are carbon emissions created from the production of that electricity on some level on some levels i guess levels so it is not zero okay so what 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 porsche is saying is we're going to be competitive with whatever those emissions are on the EV side, which makes sense to me because, you know, you have companies like, again, like Toyota, who maybe aren't going all in on first generation EV batteries because of that very reason, because they're expensive and they're volatile and, you know, it's just they start to degrade quickly and all that. Well, not only that, you've got the car enthusiasts out there this right here gives the car enthusiast the opportunity to still have an internal combustion engine to be able to tweak that thing. Um, and you know, for the gearheads out there, this is really exciting. Now they're running these things already in some of their performance vehicles, 
and but it takes a lot of this is and you got everybody has to understand it takes a lot of technology in order for a vehicle to run on this stuff now we're not there yet from the at the consumer <laughs> level but this is why Porsche is doing this and again this relates back to a conversation that we have with our good friend Chuck Lynch over at AERA about the technology from the racing industry becoming the norm in at the consumer level us as auto uh, owners and 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 buyers it trickles down all tr- that massive expense it. that they dump into race teams they use on some levels for R&D for the consumer stuff right right while we're watching you know NASCAR take Ricky left Bobby. turns yep. yeah yeah take left turns all day long in our mind we're watching a competition because that's what it's entertaining for us but honestly, those guys that are part of that team, those engine professionals, those guys that are tuning and trimming and doing all of those things, that's really live testing that they are doing for future vehicles that you may buy. You, you should look at it in that perspective and be supportive of the racing industry, guys. It's, um, it's, a, it's a lot bigger deal. It's not just entertainment. It, again, that technology will trickle down into what you own at some point. It already has, and you just don't. Right, you don't you take yeah. it for granted because you just hop in it every day. So, but this and you is know, cool. I just had this realization, Jay. We are we are so so. If you think about it, mm-hmm. these e fuels, it's it can be some of it can be consumer waste. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. know. They're running on oils or trash or whatever, right? But it's synthetic, man made, right? It's mm-hmm. probably recycled from something, or it will be. So we are one step closer to Mr. Fusion. You know, Doc yes. Brown powered the DeLorean and uh, yes. Back to the Future. Yes, right? absolutely, man. Run we are. We, <laughs> yes. That's I mean, it, man. It's, yeah. it's kind of headed there, is it not? It It is really headed there, man. I think that we are, it, you know, if if you go back over the last 30 years and think about what, you know what movies have been put out and you know just futuristic stuff look where we're at now and you go back go oh that was in back to the future that's what's coming this is so funny man you know i keith are you i i don't know what's wrong with me today man but i just i'm like i feel a little uptight man i don't i don't know what's wrong with me man um maybe it's the pollution in the air i i i don't know oh uh, well, we'll get through this together buddy well i'm i'm just having hot flashes or something I don't know, man. <laughs> So, um, yep, just do we need a, like, signal word or safe word or something so that I know if <laughs> no, you need it? No, um, I'm trying to be as thermal efficient as I possibly can re- in my remember, old age. Remember, before we get on to the, you know, your heat topic, the DeLorean was not nuclear. It was, in fact, electric. He just needed a nuclear reaction to generate right. the, he said yeah. it wrong, it was 1.21 gigawatts gigawatts gigawatts, right Right. it's gigawatts yes uh but yeah 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 it was it was in in a sense it was an it was electric time traveler right one key component needed for that to happen the flux capacitor right right so just remember that so now this definitely well there's a big demand on flux capacitors right now too so and we'll get into that that in a minute yep yep yep. but this definitely makes the argument that internal combustion engines are not dead that there is they are not dead there is a there is a 
there's there's still development to be done there are still frontiers that we can we can explore with with the internal combustion engine and people are doing that someone else that's doing it in a reference back to jay's hot flash that he had just a minute ago is nissan so jay what's the what's the latest out of nissan on yep. this so you know again uh, hats off to nissan you know they're not they, they came in with this whole like slowly walking into the into the room and now all of a sudden they're the hot girl in the room and um they're doing a lot of different things and 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 we were kind of wondering what the heck is going on but they have made an announcement that they are uh working on an engine um that is uh it's achieving 50 percent thermal efficiency um and what what does that mean for our industry um, it could prolong the life of the internal combustion engine, All right. which that's so, that's a big argument right now. Because, I'm gonna, yep. Go ahead. I'm, I know where you're going to go with this. I'm going to stop you for just a second okay? because I know for a fact there are people that listen and watch this program that mm-hmm. maybe don't, that may need a little bit more explanation on why that matters. So, So for those of you that fit this crowd, by the way, if you're a subscriber to the show, thank you so much. If you are not and you are watching this on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Man, what's I can't talk, talk see, today. I, yeah. See what I'm wow. saying? I, 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 you know, I said I was uptight. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's just my old age. I don't know what's going on here. I know there's one thing. There's a big fly in my studio right now, and I don't I don't understand where it came from. It's yeah. they hibernate well, and wake up the first sign of 50 degrees. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's electronic. It's just a spy Ooh, device. It could be an electric fly. So, so yeah. So back Ooh, to the electric so fly. If, if you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. It would mean the world to us. If you're checking out our podcast, um, you, you well, if you're checking out our podcast, you've already found it. But if you are interested in checking out the podcast to get the full episode, go to our website, partscounterguru.com. There is a podcast tab at the top. Pretty much any platform that you currently use for podcasting, we are on. We are on all of them. Wherever fine podcasts are given away for free, just, just click on the link on our website and you'll find yours listed there. Now, um, this, this whole... Okay, so thermal efficiency. Okay, so so some some of some of the good people in the area where where I live like to say the hotter they fry, the faster they die. Right? That's, that's <laughs> right. kind of a that's kind of a thing you hear. Yeah, you, not not usually in. There's a little dialect that goes along with that. Okay, but the point is, heat is the enemy of engines of internal combustion Absolutely. of all engines. Even you know it doesn't matter what the power source is. Right. So. Right. So the cooler that you can keep those things running, the less energy that engine has to expel itself to cool that engine back down. Right. And thermal so efficiency applies to a number of working components out there. I mean, it's not just not just to an engine, but an engine it's very important to the environment and we're going to get to that and that's that's where Keith's going with this. Okay. So so just by the very nature of how that engine works, you're 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 exploding gas. Uh, you're going to have heat as a byproduct. It's it's right. how you manage that explosion that and how much of a leak you have on that heat that really dictates the next steps in in in, in de- engine design. Right. So okay. So so it, Nissan says, hey, we got an engine that's fifty percent thermal efficiency. Um, like you said, Jay, that helps prolong the life of the engine. Mm-hmm. This isn't the first time it's been done, 
But no. why this matters is it looks like the version that they're working on is more of a consumer model engine that can be mass produced in vehicles. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting how they plan to use that. And then let's go back. Toyota is already producing one, and, they, and they're using them in various current models. Um, uh, it's, it's a, I think it's like a 40, 40% or 41%. I got it right yeah. here, and this is per, that's perfect to put this in perspective. Okay, the most yeah. efficient right now that's mass-produced, and Jay mentioned this, it's Toyota. Now, look, Formula One's got, a, you know, in some of their cars, but you, a form, an F1 car's a million dollars. So, no, you know, you're not, yeah, right? So, yes, the technology is available on a race level, but but and we're talking consumer here. Toyota's got a two-liter naturally aspirated, na- oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> a two-liter naturally aspirated four-cylinder engine. It's 41% thermal efficiency. So, in other words... Right. 41% of that engine is producing power. The other 59% is just blowing out heat. Right. Useless almost, heat. Yep. It's almost a 60% just just nothing but heat production. Okay? Right. And what that also is doing is it's it's wearing and tearing on on mating components. Yep. Um, and, and the technology that goes into these, like, for example, um, a lot of your newer engines, that, uh, Chuck, Chuck Lynch over at AERA speaks to this quite a bit about coatings on cylinder walls. And those sorts of things help with the reduction of the the thermal wear that's going on in there, because um, friction wear is a huge, huge problem in an internal combustion engine. So the more you can can harness and not let get away, the better and more efficient that engine becomes in operation, and therefore, at the end of the day, the environment really, really reaps the benefit. Well, and, and the consumer, Toyota, your pocketbook it, as well. It is the best case scenario right now that we really have on a large scale. If if this Nissan surpasses that, you know, fifty mm-hmm. percent. I mean, so now everybody, do you sort of get why this is a big deal? Because, like we just said, the internal combustion engine is probably not as dead as the EV manufacturers would lead you to, to believe that it is. Right. And with breakthroughs like this, you're becoming more competitive. For the big picture, for the things that all the regulatory agencies are going to mandate, right? Like yeah. your carbon off, you know, what whatever the emissions are, what all that stuff. So, right. Um, if you remember, Keith, back a few podcasts ago, we talked about you asked you specifically asked me a question. Do you you asked me if I thought that by the year twenty forty that we would be completely electric, and I said no, we won't be, and here's why. And this is a great example of that, is that while we are dealing with the technology in front of us now, that's a bold statement to say that we're going to be all EV by then. But the technology changes so much and so fast that then you have things like this that pop up that go, oh, wait a minute. Well, maybe we don't have to be all electric. Right. Maybe we can be using synthetic fuels like what Porsche is is is. In, in the process of developing. Toyota's developing a, a thermal efficient engine. Now Nissan has stepped up to the plate and they're a 50% thermal efficient engine. And it is my understanding that this engine, they're working on it now uh, so it will be used in a future generation of Nissan's e-power system. And we're going to get into why they this why this is kind of interesting. Um, 
Nissan was able to achieve the 50% thermal efficiency in testing by essentially tuning the engine to operate within a very specific range of speed and load. Because the engine doesn't drive the wheels, it doesn't have to work with such wide parameters. Now, that's something that we haven't spoken of yet up in this particular subject matters, which is how Nissan intends on using this engine and why that's important. Well, Take it, it away, Keith. It could go back to that whole Jeep <laughs> thing that we started with, right? Right. Like, exactly. Maybe they've got some kind of compa- capacitor as an intermediary situation mm-hmm. where, um, you know, the engine itself, the internal combustion engine, is creating enough of a current, like a generator, right? that Mm -hmm. it's stored up in a capacitor and that capacitor can deliver it to electric, you know, something, right? Engines, wheels, whatever, right? So potentially, and and what, so hey, how is that different, right? Well, today in your gasoline-powered engine, if you stomp on the gas pedal, Mm -hmm. you increase the explosion, you know, the the rate of combustion that's happening and those cylinders are firing, right? Faster. To RPMs produce go power, up, the parts it, are moving faster. It's going to get hotter, right? Yep. But if you use something like a capacitor or something where that engine can kind of run the way it r- wants to run all the time, mm-hmm. it doesn't It doesn't have to stress. There's a lot less dynamics going on with that, and it's a more controlled environment as well. Because that that's why we have so many computers, onboard, onboard computers now. Yep. On vehicles is specifically, it learns the habits of each driver, typically. As a matter of fact, some of the smarter cars out there, like, for instance, we talked about my Mini, BMW products and your higher-end vehicles, they'll have a couple of different key fobs, right? Yep. And the key fob will have, you know, seat settings and radio settings. Yeah, all the creature comfort stuff. But what a lot of people don't realize, it's also, it knows it's you getting in. Therefore, that computer, that system, the yep. onboard system knows what to expect. Therefore, you're, it's going to run at its most efficient um, rate that it can while you're driving it. And then I get in, I'm lead foot, and it's different, so it's going to compensate for my driving habits. Those are the types of dynamics that this particular engine won't be subjected to because its purpose is for something else that we'll, we'll talk about here and that's what kind of gives it that ability. It, it, it's, it's smart. It's a smart use of internal combustion uh, engine, really, yep. in my opinion. It's like a stationary engine, like hospitals run these big, huge power gen setups. Um, those things are not stop and go traffic. Stop and go traffic. You're not. Those things Un, are not occurring. Uninterruptible power yep. supply. Consistent and, power. And they're running parameters which measure the exhaust gas temperatures. And they have which is sending generators on the back end. If there's a reduction in in, in current, whatever, they kick the generators yep. up three, four seconds later to supplement yeah. that. And and the, all the while, your output, right, that you're talking about is consistent. Right. So I want to, real quick, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dip my toe into this pool of controversy for a second. Um, so Nissan says that they're aiming for hundred percent carbon neutrality by 2050. Now that's 10 years later than GM's targeting. I, I want to go back to something that we have talked about many times on this show. Cause I don't think we're, you know, it's, it's, we're not done talking about it. And what we've seen in the United States is not, um, it's not going to stop. It's going to continue to trend. We saw it in the UK as well. And that is 
California was the first state here where, remember, Jay Gavin Newsom came out and said, no more sale of new gasoline engine vehicles by, what was right. it, 20, 20, 2035. 30? Okay. 2035, yeah. I feel like, and here comes the controversy part, okay? I feel like that was a bad move. And But let me explain before you guys get all, you know, defensive with me. Um, <laughs> by the way, we welcome your letters, partscounterguru.com. Click on the Ask Us a Question tab. We'd love to hear from you. Or leave a comment in the uh, YouTube section here. We read those. So um, I feel like it would have been a better move to start with the objective in mind. What is the objective? Is the objective a cleaner environment? Okay. Then let's establish metrics that we can use to get there. Right. Telling everyone that you can't sell internal combustion engines by 2035, first of all, gives... Uh, electric vehicle battery-powered cars an unfair advantage. And second, it doesn't take into account the things that we've discussed in the last two segments. Porsche working on an e-fuel that reduces their carbon emissions by 85%. This engine that Nissan's working on right here that reduces thermal output, which ties into emissions. All this stuff is internal combustion engine-based. Yeah. You coming out here and going, hey, everybody, we're killing off gasoline engine. Well, that's some lobbyist that just got their hands on you and told mm -hmm. you one side of the story. But it's not it's not objective. Go to the manufacturers. Let the creative minds do this and go, hey, auto industry, I need to see your plan. And we need to know what you're going to do to reduce, again, whatever your goal is. Like, is it emissions? Is it, you know... And I need to see it incrementally happen over the next 30 years. What's That's your plan? Right. Okay, ready? Go. And then everybody submits, right? Yeah. And you take it from there. And if you look at the history, if you look at the history of the internal combustion engine over the last, I'm going to say 50 years, okay? I'm going to go back that far because I think that's really where it applies. It's probably when the movement began of, you know, a greener a greener planet i would say probably mm -hmm. 50 years ago the 70s when you say late yeah. 60s early 70s yeah you know catalytic converters the, kind of right in, the you generation know, yeah. of you know you know being aware of of the environment the switch from leaded gasoline to unleaded gasoline right. and that go all happened ahead in that time frame take a look at the technology advancements and and again i bring this to the attention of everyone because we've said it before on the exponential growth of technology that is why, again, I say I still think the internal combustion engine is going to be around in 2040. Well, but it may not be as we know it now. And that's important to put out there. So don't make the internal combustion engine the bad guy here because it's really not. We just have to learn how to make it a better uh, component as, as consumers to get us through, you know, around. I mean, we, we use the internal combustion engine for just about everything, man. We everything. as Americans, we love to argue. Uh, it's like you just don't, it doesn't even matter, you know, Coke, Pepsi, right? Like we just, we'll pick anything to argue about, you know? And yeah, it seems to me that if it, we would stop picking topics to argue and start discussing objectives and yeah. solutions yeah. right and many times we all want the same or similar things we just have different ideas on how to get there i took and i bet you that the majority of the people when gavin the governor of california gavin newsom came out and said we will be 100 percent. there will be no more internal combustion engines sold in the state of california by 2035 
I guarantee you the first thing that popped into everybody's mind, they're going to take away my car. They're going to tax us to death because that's the first thing because somebody's got to pay for that. So he did. He didn't give you. That's a big, right. huge gray What's the area, plan, man. Right? Yeah. Right. He didn't give you any information on what to expect from that. And we are learning, and we continue to learn. And I, I, Jay, I, I, I hope I'm wrong on this, but I feel like a few years from now we're going to start seeing waste issues with these first and second generation EVs with all their batteries that yeah. are expensive to replace, and that's toxic chemicals in those batteries when you have to dispose of them. What are you going to do with that stuff, right? Right. So, I feel like we have it's a very short-sighted move. We haven't even started to talk about how the load on the power grid when everybody drives in California that already has power grid issues right. when they all start plugging in their cars. So mm -hmm. we've got some things to solve. Now, I am not saying, you guys, please, before you object, I am not saying we can't do better, we shouldn't try to do better, we shouldn't have some concern over waste, pollution, emissions, and all that. I'm just saying, let's figure out the, the objectives first, and then let's mm. talk about ideas on how to get there. How did, yeah. how did we end up in this hole? <laughs> I don't even know. We were talking about Nissan and uh, you know their thermal thermally efficient engine. Yeah, I mean, but it all ties into, this is how important the automotive industry is to our environment. And you can see that, manufacturers are diligently working towards that neutrality they want yeah. it to happen i think we just all need to be a little bit patient more patient and have a little bit more understanding of what what drives that and the technology that goes into that and you know just to give you an idea so as far as an engine like what nissan is is intending on producing a 50 percent thermal efficient engine there's only one right now and that is the Mercedes AMG 1.6 liter. It's a Formula One V6 that's out there. Again, racing oh, technology. Pocket change, Jay. Pocket change. <laughs> yeah, Those right, F1 cars right. are only like a couple. What are they? A million and a half? Whatever. Right. And if you want to, you can go to Boddington in England. We did a podcast about it. You can go get yourself a ride in a Formula One uh, right now over Boddington. Now England. that it's technology home. will trickle down from Mercedes into their luxury line in their consumer vehicles. It, of it's course just it will. a matter of time. Time mm -hmm. is a big factor. You brought this up. And something else nobody's taken into account here is this pandemic that we've been in the middle of now for right at about a year is mm -hmm. is affecting R and D. It's affecting development. Tremendously. There's a huge We've talked about this before. We're about to talk about it again. There are supply chain issues. This yes, there are. really stretches what you can do as an automotive manufacturer when you're trying to make sure you have enough parts available to fix the cars that are already out there on the road. Right. It's it's um you know the the again, the automotive industry period has such a huge impact on global economy. It's, oh, it's, this, is, this is why these things are such a big deal. Historically speaking, historically mm -hmm. speaking, okay, I'm not, yes. I'm not, can't predict the future. I don't have a crystal ball. And if I did, I'd probably go to, Am I'd go to our website, partscounterguru.com, click on the Amazon link and buy one. But I digress. Historically speaking, as the automotive industry goes in the United States, 
so goes the economy. That is why they are always looking at quarterly car sales from the from the major manufacturers because if they see a, a decline across the board, like we saw last summer, where GM all of them reported you know trouble, mm-hmm. we all got spooked. You know, checks started being issued from the government. Why do you think that is? Well, because the economy was starting to tank and things picked back up a little bit, and that's great. Jay, you're right. That the if the auto industry starts sucking wind, it's not a good sign for the rest of us. That's right. That's right. I tell you, man, uh, this is why we love talking about this stuff. Um, it is relevant to just about every person that 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 is. If if you're in a vehicle, riding in a on a bus, you know it. This is this is important to you as a whole but most importantly it's important to our future generations so again you know our children are going to be the benefits of some of this technology coming out and it's going to be a completely different animal i think by the time that i'm 80 i, I hope think I see 80 yeah i mean we're seeing some real significant changes right now i mean i think before you get to 80 i mean maybe just you know in the next That's five true. to seven years it's true. One of those supply chain problems that we're up against right now is with the semiconductors. Now, people, okay, you hear that term, what do you think of? Um, I think of Back to the Future. <laughs> okay, and and uh, let me give you a big, like, corporate name that you might see if you were, like, a Wall Street, like, if you're watching the stock market, okay? Mm-hmm. Intel mm-hmm. Semiconductor Corporation, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. AMD. Talk about thermal efficiency, Okay, so these are chip manufacturers, right? Semiconductors, uh, right? Silicon-based, usually. Okay, most of the time they're in your computers, smartphones, tablets, but they're also in Jay transmit transmissions. They're all over there. They're in a lot of components, electronic components, on your vehicle, your your onboard system, your computer, everything. So Doc Brown's DeLorean was not the only contrary to popular thinking the only car with a, a semiconductor you you know if you want to go flux capacitor essentially that was a you know it was a gen yeah. one okay but yeah, right, right right so there's computer chips in today's cars all over the place oh. and the more you know we got we got jeep talking about their four by e the more of this kind of you know thermal efficiency talk and you know, controlling the engine output to get it to keep it from getting too hot. That's all computer regulated. Okay. So now we have a situation where there's a real shortage with this stuff. Big time. Big time. To and the point to where we've had multiple, multiple plants shut down. Not only production plants for Chrysler's three minivans or Stellantis, if you will. Um, they've had to furlough people because of it because they don't have the components to assemble, uh, complete assembly. You've got plants that are using these chips uh, in specific components that will get shipped to those plants that are assembling those vehicles in Canada and up in Detroit and those areas that are also affected that have had to close because of shortages. It's a big deal. And you just hit on it, Keith. It's not just the automotive side of it, but it has 
impacted the automotive industry now more than ever has it before. And that's what people need to take a hard look at um, on this and, and, and how what the future of auto manufacturing is going to consist of and how it's going to continue to move forward in such instances where we may have pandemic type shortages like this. This is a global shortage created by number one, the usage of the type of component over multiple types of products and the pandemic. Okay. And and I'm hearing the word and seeing the word floated around crisis when we're talking about the these chip shortages and they're saying it's not going away anytime soon nope um i'll give you an example foxconn who makes semi they're they're a chipset manufacturer okay Mm -hmm. i think they're in taiwan or china i'm not sure but they're somewhere in asia um apple has used them for a long time there's pc manufacturers that use them all right so they have a factory in Wisconsin here in the United States. Fisker, who we've talked about before, if you're not familiar with Fisker, they were kind of an early adopter to mm-hmm. the whole EV thing. Um, they had a, a car way back that they put solar panels on the roof. And they're still in startup mode. They've been in business, out of business. It's a cool concept. They just announced earlier this year that they were coming out with a crossover. You, you, sir, for those of you, you can go to partscountaguru.com. Keith wrote a nice little little piece up there on the Fisker, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they were a very forward-thinking before Tesla was cool. They were doing it. Uh, they're back in the game. Uh, they're in, they're, it looks like it's going to be some interesting stuff. So they just announced a partnership with Foxconn, Fisker. Fisker right. and Foxconn, okay? Right. Um, and this is going to be for that that um second model that we talked about earlier in the year uh that i think is going to be a cro- it's going to be kind of a crossover type body style um and this is the interesting part is that the deal that fisker announced is foxconn's actually going to make the vehicles and they're they're going to roll out a us based vehicle assembly factory Run by Foxconn. Now, how how much does that tell you about how many semiconductors are in these automobiles? Right. That, right. that a company like Foxconn, and who make motherboards in your computer, is going to literally well, put the car... Yeah. And speaking of that, okay, so we've got a lot of things that's going to tie into this, okay? Now, the the reason... We're in a, we have a shortage, you know, related to pandemic and, and a number of other things. But there have been... Brazil is shutting down all of their plants... Uh, their Ford plants, uh, Ford in Brazil is shutting down all their plants. And, and it's, I think it's not because it's not economy driven in the sense that it's not because they're not selling vehicles, right? Right. Well, their their sales were off. They do continue. They do. They say they will continue to keep the troll troller plant, which basically is the you know parent Sur- of the, yeah, the the Ford. Ford Bronco Sport, really. I think okay, if you look okay, at that yeah, thing, it okay. really looks like the Ford. Bron- it's like the Brazilian version of the new Ford Bronco. So it's a Brazilian Bronco. It is a Brazilian Bronco. It's 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 hairless. Woo. Okay. Woo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, but um, the this. I'm sorry. This did I just is, completely? Just no, like, you didn't. Okay. But what I want want to grab back on that train, which is is that 
this is Ford's way really too is and they've made they've come out and said it um is it Jim Farley the, the 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 new CEO of Ford has basically said that it's part of their bigger plan to become more lean and an efficient auto manufacturer okay and how does this tie into this well Here's how this ties into this. How can you become a more lean and efficient auto manufacturer when you still have to sell vehicles down there, when logistically it makes sense to have a plant there? What you do is you automate, okay? With automation comes the use of computer chips, semiconductors, all these things. If you think we have a chip problem now, just wait until we get 10 years down the road. So this has to be addressed now, and we're really seeing the effects of it. And as a matter of fact, it's gotten as high up as the new United States administration. Um, semiconductor executive Tom Caulfield, uh, he knew that there was a, a crisis brewing, and he started getting a, a lot of calls from some of the big automakers just before uh, the Christmas holidays. Um, basically, the chief executive, uh, chipmaker of Global Foundries, is, is who he is the, the CEO of, um, recalls the auto executive saying Ford, Volkswagen, BMW, Daimler-Benz, Fiat Chrysler, which is, is obviously now um, Stellantis, GM, every one of them have become his best friend. <laughs> for a lot of reasons well, because have, they need they need these semiconductors man you have 5g cellular pushing that also they're making more chips for those that's everybody and their brother has now gotten in line to put electronic components in their products it's, well the shortage is it, bottom line on, on the automotive industry side it's forced gm and ford to slash production in three states um, in the U.S. here, as well as in Canada and Mexico, it threatens some jobs actually um, uh, at those uh, companies and, and some of those suppliers. Um, supposedly, uh, the current administration has um, leaned on big chip producers and their host nations, uh, including Taiwan, to increase output. But on Friday, uh, governors from eight states urged President Biden to redouble those efforts, warning of a growing list of automakers and suppliers and dealers but negatively affected by the shortage. What can you do, though? I mean, because you can't make these companies ramp up their production if they are already at capacity. I mean, that costs money. They have to build more facilities. That takes time. I mean, how do you... How do you I mean, if you're operating at near 100% capacity already... You know, you can't get blood from a rock. I mean, how do you, what's the solution here? Right, right. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe we should start making some chips. Yeah, well. And I ain't talking about Tim's Cascade chips or right, right. Frito-Lay or yeah. anybody like that. Look, semiconductors, man, they are the brains behind a lot of products. And that's how important this is. And we're talking vacuum cleaners, refrigerators, computers, space shuttles. Everything, it's man. A, the I, average I automobile, man. Jay, check this out. I read yesterday, and I want to know if you've heard this. The processor components in the new new Perseverance rover, new to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's running yeah, yeah. on, I want to say it was a late 90s model iMac-based processing platform. Isn't that crazy? It is. Yeah. But that just goes to show you that there is some really good technology that's that, that dates way back. I mean, like, not just the 
vacuum brand that you mentioned, but the robotic vacuums, the Roombas, the, you know, all those smart devices that you've got in your house now with speakers in them and all your doorbell cameras and on and on and on, man. I mean, we are everything, everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you get into a vehicle and, you know, probably the first thing you do these days, I know most people do, is you sync your phone to your car. Okay. That takes an effort by the onboard system to do that. Um, you roll a, uh, or you, you hit the button for your, your power window to go down or your power moonroof or sunroof to go back or uh, airbags to deploy when you get an accident. All of these things, man. It's just, I, I don't think people understand how big of a deal this really is. And that's why it has caught uh the 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 administration's attention um congress well to really act on this and get these people together we need to get this is almost like a i mean it's not a it's a crisis they use the word crisis they use the word crisis you're absolutely right i mean we reported on this we had ford and google announcing a partnership um mm -hmm. Well, just recently, like like you know, two pat podcasts yeah. ago, pad pad I mean, ties ago, <laughs> good. right? I mean, do you think that's not gonna? I mean, it's gonna be a factor. Oh, for for sure, it's going to be a factor, and you know, the, the answer is obviously that you you got to have um, more uh, manufacturers get into the uh, into the chip manufacturing game but that's going to be a problem and, and that's that's the worry that I have right now Keith and I said this to you early on before we came on that my take on this is because they're going to have to go from you know auto manufacturers are going to have to go from their their primary source to two you know second tier source or third tier source or even a fourth tier source because they need to get the supply to keep production going to and put these vehicles out. And then what happens when you run into a safety issue or a recall issue right or a standardization issue because you've got um you've got a control component that could potentially have you know uh, you got to pull the VIN to see whose version of the component they were using. Well, and you got luckily, five different parts that yeah Right. Well, luckily in our world, Keith, as you well know, we we have preached this to everyone about understanding what your vehicle identification number does for you. It is the DNA of your vehicle. And in situations like this where there is a recall for a very short window, and we're going to get into one here before we end the day, um, but you can you can narrow that down. I mean, right to the to the to the day and the hour that that vehicle was produced. Thank goodness to a really, we have a really robust robust SPC system in place or statistical process controls in place that when something happens, we can go right back to that. You can even go back to the person that was on shift that night and find out what was going on. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty important and that's how uh, intense this can get. So when you hear of a recall, it is those resources that the auto manufacturers have pulled from to get a more direct um, uh, call out to those individuals that are owning those vehicles. Um, this is a big deal. It's a bigger deal right now than I think most of us realize at this point. And I think the residual effects are going to be felt way deep into the summer um, from this. And it's going to impact other man, you know, all these manufacturers that have made a lot of promises, like Ford on the Bronco, getting it out, being yeah. able to deliver it, and look at how much issue 
you know, GM has had with the Corvette or the continuous delays of, say, the Cybertruck or, you know, all of these things getting delayed. These are reasons for this happening. All right. So let's let's this is as good of a line in the sand as any because you've baited me now. You've mentioned the word Bronco several mm-hmm. times in the past minute. Um, yeah. So we did a Bronco reservation on this program. It was not the sport. It was the actual Bronco. Okay. Right. I did mm-hmm. it. Um, I just canceled that reservation last week, Jay. Bummer. And the guy reached, they were hot and heavy on me for several weeks. Get get your order in, get your order in, get your order in. They're salespeople. That's what they do. And I... I politely wrote the guy back and said hey man uh looks like there's only going to be a four-cylinder option for the short term and the manual transmission for the bronco and because of that i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and cancel my reservation but if that changes we'll talk again soon right these guys are so interested right now in locking down those sales because i think they have a little bit of an unusual opportunity here in that, you know, they've got a high level of interest and it doesn't matter whether they can, the, the supply can meet the demand in the short term. They just get their, right. once you lock that order in, you're one step closer to closing the deal. Right. If it takes Ford a year and a half to fill those orders, which Ford has said as much, it could on the Broncos. So they've still got sales numbers, right? So, now we're in a situation where, and my son saw one in the wild two weeks ago. He he literally, so we've had this, this is a, a conversation we've had many times, father, son, you know the one, don't ever mm-hmm. go up and touch somebody's car, right? Like we go to car shows, that's just typically, that's a no-no. Now, if they, if they, if they invite you to do so, completely different story. Right. You're at a car show, you're at a dealership, don't go put your hands on somebody else's vehicle unless you have permission. I don't that's know. It. That's just a, right? a no no. Yeah. So he he knows that, but just for fun, he literally took his finger. We we saw a Bronco Sport in the parking lot a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and he walked up and put his finger on it. Took it. We had me take his picture. Uh, awesome. So they're out in the wild. Those right. Those are out in the wild, and yeah. they've only they've been got, out what? Not long, man. Like the first of this year, like last yeah. year, last late last year. But you know, they they continue to have problems, and this is something that. You know, I'm really I'm I am surprised, but I'm not surprised because it's really been kind of an odd situation with Ford rolling these Broncos out. I mean, we we we're first of all for me, I was scratching my head. If you're bringing the Bronco back, why are you bringing back a Bronco Sport, or are you bringing a Bronco Sport into the mix, a smaller version? And it's collectively for sales. We know that. We, we They're trying to reach all core groups, and I get that. Um, but sadly, man, when you rush things out, um, you have problems. And they've got another recall on this thing. They had rear suspension issues um, earlier. That was the first um, major recall. That was, that was the first major yep. recall um, on this Bronco Sport. This is the subcompact version of the Bronco. Um but now they've issued another recall because some of the Bronco sports may be driving around with the wrong front lower control arms. Um, if you don't know what a control arm is, they basically connect the front wheels to the subframe. Um, and in certain situations, you could lose control and it just doesn't handle and it'll, you could roll the vehicle over. Uh, you could lose control of the vehicle in certain dynamic situations. 
That's a big deal. Um, now, uh, to, to err on the side of how well we do things and how well we track things in the industry, like we were just talking about, um, uh, there, there's been no related accidents to this, they said, uh, or injuries, um, and only 106 Bronco sports are potentially affected uh, with Ford pinpointing. 50 of those, at most, actually have the wrong parts. Um, all of those Broncos, they said, were assembled on the same day, uh, December 9, 2020. So if yep. you're the owner of one of those, you want to get back to your so dealership. And this is that old joke of, you know, was it a Friday assembly? You know, right. I mean, somebody potentially, I mean, I, I've had this conversation with family members who shall re- remain nameless to protect their jobs, who work in assembly plants, who say, man, yeah, I cannot even, you would blow your mind if you knew the stories of. Oh how it's just a matter of move it on down the line, move it on down. Yeah, there's a problem. Is it a big enough deal to stop the line? If it's not, right. move it on down the line. Well, interestingly enough, they're 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 pinpointing this to the supplier, um, which was uh, Martin Ray Automotive Structures. Well, of course. A, can, a right? Canadian company. Um, Let's blame they, Canada. They apparently provided the wrong lower <laughs> control arms due to insufficient material control. And again, statistical processing control. When they heard of the squeaking noise, they identified, well, this is this is not correct. And so obviously the squeak occurred because of probably contact points that should not be occurring with the right materials being used. So I get that. Um, All right. So the, the term in the industry, which I laughed when I saw this, because I've used it so many times. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I've used it so many times. Um, the technical term for these types of things in in, in the automotive supply uh, industry is done goofed. Yep, we done goofed. So I'm just going to ask a hypothetical theoretical question here. Now I'm sure I'm wrong, and this is not. This is just wishful thinking on my part. Okay. So so Jay, let's just hypothetically let's just say for a minute that you are a qualified individual capable of working on um assembling an automobile okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now you're gonna you're gonna do a very repetitive task mm-hmm. day after day in this right. case you're attaching assembly arms to the subframe right okay? we're, we're going we're going uh, okay. round pin in a round hole is what okay. we typically do all day long, right? Yes. If same you, round pin, same round hole, yes. If you show up to work one day and those pins are different, right. do you keep on trucking? Do you point it out? Do you say nothing and do nothing and just keep slamming and jamming? Well, for me, for me, I definitely bring it to the attention because I've, I've, you know me, man, was part of quality yeah. control for quite some time. So that's that's my job. And in all honesty, for any assembler, if something doesn't look the same, then yes, you should say something. So it got missed. So I'm not trying to blame the person that did the assembly. I'm just saying I don't know that blaming the company that shipped these in Canada 
is as responsible as you know like well yeah maybe they did have fault to to an extent but if my job is to build the vehicle and you send me the wrong parts should right. i not go uh yo bro <laughs> right <laughs> these ain't the parts i asked you for yeah and 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 honestly man you know to err on the side of the the assembler if it truly is a material-related issue, they would have no idea unless there was some specific marking on okay. it. Okay, so and, they, they and couldn't if look the identical. marking, right? If the marking looked, oh, absolutely, and I can tell you how that can happen. So if you look at, say, a valve stem seal, you know, the rubber part that that, yeah. that makes contact with with the valve stem itself. Um, typically, what's used out there I got now one right is a, here. I mean, yep. It's a really high grade material. It's 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 a Viton material, um, but there are other materials out there. Uh, there's poly uh, materials. There are lower grades, um, and unfortunately, there are aftermarket manufacturers out there that will cut corners. So um, that is not that example. There is not a safety issue. It's but they more look aware. the same. They, but they look the same, and that's the point yeah. I'm trying to make. You can certainly copy that. I don't think that this was a malicious act. I think that somebody somewhere put the wrong bushing in the wrong hole and it looked the same and they done goofed. They done goofed. So it could be the manufacturer, it could be the assembler, it could be a combination of both. You you just don't know. But luckily at least Ford is is you know going back and they have means to to go back and pull those things off the highway and get those things changed. and that is and a good thing and we've it. seen ford do this before they typically do step up and treat these recalls with a level of seriousness and they try to do the right thing no matter how many recalls they have yeah, but you know what though but what another black eye for these guys yeah because they've had the over the last two three months there's been some some issues that they've had um you know we're we're and we're a big fan of ford too so uh, we're a big fan of auto, you know, the auto industry as a whole. You hate to see anybody kind of uh, fall down on their face, but um, you know, there's I could pick on GM right now. You know, we just talked about the EV movement, and they just they dedicated everything to all EVs by by 2040, and here we are talking about uh, you know Nissan coming out with a thermally efficient, um, uh, en- a 50% thermally efficient v- uh, engine, and then of course. Um, you know, Porsche with with the new fuel. So it's it's interesting, man. It's interesting. All this stuff is so tied together. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's interesting. So, um, do you want to stick a fork in that? I'd say let's stick a fork in it. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of places where I'd like to send people, if you don't mind. All right, everybody, um, listen up. Yep. Hey. First of all, if you are a subscriber to our podcast, we really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell some friends of yours about us. Um, and uh, I think they will enjoy it just as much as you do. How can you get there? Well, you go to parscountaguru.com um, and you will find a podcast link there. And just click on that podcast link, and, and we are available on just about every major podcasting platform to include um, uh, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Apple, um, TuneIn, uh, Spotify. Spotify. God, man, we're all over the place. Where else? Anymore? Mm, you think? 
Probably. You'll have to go to the yeah. website, yeah, the to website to find out. Yeah, check that out. But anyway, we also have video segments of these things. This particular one might be up on there. Um, go to youtube.com forward slash parse kind of gurus. While you're there, uh, hit that subscribe button. Um, give us a thumbs up. Uh, hit that bell to be notified every time a video comes out. And please forward that on to friends to get them to subscribe. Uh, we're on all social media platforms. Uh, that would be facebook.com forward slash parts kind of gurus. We're on instagram.com forward slash the parts kind of gurus. We're also now over on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle there is at the counter show, which is what you've been listening to. Um, and if you get the urge to uh, go buy something, man, make sure you go back to our website at partscountyguru.com and um, hit the uh, Amazon icon. That takes you right over to Amazon through our site. We get a little bit of love from that, which helps us keep doing what we're doing. And we would very much appreciate that. And um, there you go. Happy, uh, happy listening. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on whatever and wherever you have chosen to do so. We look forward to seeing, talking, hearing, sm- smelling. I don't know. Can't do that yet. <laughs> well, we'll, we're uh, they, they we'll reach building you. them chips. <laughs> right. We'll uh, appeal to your senses again soon. Until then, that is my podcast partner, YouTube partner, content creator, cohort, whatever else over there. That's Jay. The man. The man. Thank you, everybody. I'll leave you with this. When you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. See you next time. Take care, everybody. Batman. <laughs> 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 <laughs>